I think trust is the sexiest thing. For me, it's more sexy trust than mystery. I'm not a kind of Tinder hookup person at all. I, I believe the better you know your partner, the better the sex can be. Welcome to Intimacy Play, a podcast by Pleasy Play. We host open discussions with world-leading experts on couples, sex, and intimacy, so you can build a more exciting, fun, and intimate relationship. I'm your host, Michaela Silva. So today we're talking with Venus O'Hara. Hi, Venus. Hi. You are English, you live in Spain, and you are a professional sex and orgasm specialist and an expert sex toy tester. Wow. Can you tell us how it all started and why? Well, it's a very long story. I have to put it in a couple of books. <laughs> I started my blog 11 years ago, so a lot of things have changed since then. I never had an entrepreneurial spirit or a, a blog. I, I mean, blogging was not so popular in 2009, but I was in a very desperate situation. I was working in real estate and here in Barcelona with luxury apartments, and I had no salary. So I was commission only at the worst time to be in real estate when there was a global crisis and all my clients were very wealthy and they really inspired me because they had online businesses and I thought I can do that. So I was really pushed into some desperate situation like personally and professionally. In my family, there were some family deaths, funerals. I had no, I had no money. My savings were just disappearing. And I thought, you know what? It's now or never. I'm going to follow my dream. So fortunately, I, I sold two apartments, got the money, and then had enough money for six months. And I thought, now is the time to start my own, follow my dream. And what was your dream? Was it to talk about sex and orgasms and things in an open way? Well, I guess I've always felt that my vision of sexuality was not represented anywhere. And at first it started because I was a fetish model. So I was very into fetishism, all types of fetishism, not just, um, I mean, I had, I created a glossary of 50 fetishes. So I was very into non-explicit erotica, things like, let's say, wearing a blindfold but with an open mouth, things that are very the only erotic things are happening in your head, not me. It's not what I'm doing. You know, that type of, I thought it was an intelligent way to interact with a spectator. It's not just tits and ass and masturbation. I mean, I, I'm very anti-porn, but I like the artistic side of fetishism. So I had a lot of photos because before that I worked in printing. So I was printing erotic books before my real estate. And I was, I just saw all this erotic art and I found it really beautiful. And that wasn't the kind of, sexuality that I saw in the mainstream because in the mainstream it's all fake tits fake hair fake lips and I just thought that's why I've, I've chosen the name Venus because I just found it was like a real classic renaissance of female beauty and female energy so I just um, had all these photos and then because of the photos I had to I made texts I started writing to describe the photos and that's how it kind of happened that the the writing and the photos And then um, just um, soon after creating the blog, I met Erica Lust, and then she invited me to write a book with her about BDSM. But all of that knowledge I already had in my private life. I really wanted to share my, my vision of BDSM with the world because my vision was very different. It was more based on humor, role plays, no violence, no pain, no not the physical aspect. It was more about fetishism. Is, it's not about tits, ass, penetration. It's everything else. It's the, the more subtle approach to sexuality, which, which is actually more arousing for me. So it's because it's using your brain. 
So it's um, transcending the physical. So that was always my kind of approach or interest. And then after that, after I wrote a book, then I got, then I contacted a lots of media in Spain and GQ offered me a column. So then I started writing in Spanish and I abandoned my blog. <laughs> so then I, I started writing articles about sexuality in general, not just about BDSM, but just mainly for a masculine audience. And then I started writing for El País and I've written over 100 articles for El País and more about, then I started getting more into the female aspect of female masturbation, et cetera, and more kind of mainstream topics. And then I've gone from, from that, my presence in the media meant that I started to receive lots of sex toys. So that's how the sex toy testing started in 2013. So ever since then, I've, I started as a reviewer, then a designer, and then now I've gone worldwide. I'm not doing anything in Spanish at the moment. I'm go I've gone worldwide and I've got a YouTube channel and using all the uh, platforms I can. So what's the great thing about my trajectory is that it's always, it's always evolved with how I've evolved, you know, in, in terms of how I've evolved personally and professionally. So it's a really cool thing. So I know people who are in this industry, they've been doing the same thing for the last 10 years or something. I can imagine it's very boring or, but for me, I'm just like always constantly organically evolving and able to find ways to express myself. And currently and my current interests are in sacred sexuality. I've become very spiritual. So now I feel like a whole, I have a whole new world to discover with Tantra, Taoism, etc. I love your journey. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing how you went from different things and how that has actually shaped you and what you do. Digging a little bit on fetishes. And the reason why I'm actually digging on this is because we have a lot of people asking questions about fetishes. So first of all, can we define what a fetish is? Yeah, there are three um, different types of fetishism. For example, a fetish is something that's non-sexual. It's a non-sexual stimulus that provokes a sexual reaction. For example, it could be an object like, such as shoes or latex, lingerie, or it could be an action such as tickling, smoking, or it could be a non-reproductive body part such as the neck or the feet or wherever you like. <laughs> so other parts of the body, ankles or wet clothes, you know, there's so many fetishes in that. And I just found that people who were into just one thing it's just so boring after a while. So I was always into the concept in general of, in lots of different fetishes. So I find it really interesting in, as a general subject rather than a specific one. Could you share with us what are the most common ones and maybe also the least common ones, just so people understand that there's a different spectrum and it's okay. You know, you can have a different fetish and there's not a problem with that. Well, what's very interesting about this is that some people might in practice be a fetishist but they don't put the label they don't use the label because they find it's it's weird or they don't quite understand it themselves but when you come across a whole forums with people who have the same interest as you it's very it can be very liberating you can feel connected and, and one example of that would be balloon fetish there are people who get turned on by balloons and they, are, they are called lunars so they go to parties and blow up balloons and pop them and you know and people oh my god it's gonna pop so that's what's what's interesting about I found it I find it very very closely related to humor and that's not something you see with BDSM it's all serious and dark whereas my interpretation or my my vision or experience has always been more fun and more about laughter and, and things and then very popular fetishes would be, let's say, high heels, latex, leather, foot fetish might be the most popular one. Uh, and then tickling is very popular. 
Very interesting. Yeah. And how should people approach a fetish? So let's say that they actually might want to try something and that they are inclined to something, but maybe they're not comfortable in telling their other half. Do you suggest anything they could do to maybe incline the other person to try it as well? Well, that's a very common question that I receive, actually, especially with men who are who identify as foot fetishists. And I just say, that's easy. You just offer them, just be a massage or give, give pedicures. You know what I mean? Be useful. <laughs> But the problem with feet is that people are often ashamed of their feet. They don't want people to touch their feet. It's a very delicate area. I think it would be a, a good to have a, a subtle approach without having a serious talk, but to try and incorporate some of these practices. Because in the end, they are quite subtle, you know, that it's not about um, anything extreme or painful or anything like that. You know, just a foot massage, something like that. I would say sit on the sofa, watch the TV and a foot massage, you know, or not just go for sex, just try and just um, have it as part of a kind of um, foreplay or, or just snuggling kind of thing, you know, not necessarily ending up being sexual. It could just be a tease or a play. So the person should try and maybe add it to its routine. And should the person say, I mean, should one person uh, disclose to their partner that this is a fetish that they have and they wouldn't want to try it as well? Well, I think in English, we say flattery can get you everywhere. That's not necessarily a positive um, approach, but it could be, for example, you, you could say, I think your feet are incredible, or you would look amazing in this lingerie, or you'd look fantastic. Your legs would be great in their skills. I think flattery is a good way to start as well. And just saying how much it would turn you on to see someone in, in that context or whatever. That's a great approach. Yeah, definitely. Rather than saying, hey, you know, there's a, I have to come out as a fetishist. I don't think that, I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be that serious, you know. <laughs> so it's not a confession. It's a way of trying new things and improving their relationship as well. Exactly. Do you think that your book, Love Me Like You Hate Me, Lessons in Pleasure and Pain, can actually help people to understand better fetishes? I think that's more of a focus on BDSM in general, because it starts off with blindfolds and bondage. And well, obviously those things can also be fetishes. There's a bit of an overlap there. I mean, that book is mainly for people, vanilla couples who are interested in getting kinky, but without going to any extremes. So that's who I would um, recommend it to because it's very, very, very subtle. That doesn't mean it's boring. It's actually more fun, I think, when you're, it's like a continuous game, you know, <laughs> and I'm very into role play personally. I think it's really interesting to really stretch your imagination and become someone else. Do you think that helps in a relationship, you know, stretching the imagination, trying new things? I think it's essential for couples and for individuals. I think if you do the same thing all the time, the same thing that works, then it becomes boring. And when the day you try something new, it's not going to work. So I think this is very, very important in general. I mean, this happens with sex toys. I mean, I remember years ago, I could only have an orgasm with a rabbit vibrator. And then I had other vibrators, but they just didn't work because I was used to one thing. And then the day my rabbit vibrator died on me, I was kind of forced to, in the nicest possible way, to kind of broaden my horizons and try try different approaches. And I think the same is with sex. I mean, couples can often, once they, they know each other, they can fall into the tried and tested positions, which is nice, but there's nothing wrong with that. But I think you definitely need to spice it up from time to time. You know, spicing up the conversation as well. You test sex toys for a living. I know. Is it the best job in the world or is it tiring to keep having orgasms? 
it's all changed in my whole approach over the years I've been doing it. So um, I'm really lucky. I'm very happy. I'm very grateful for the job I have created myself. I mean, it's it's fantastic. But now I'm actually working with Satisfyer as well. I'm their brand ambassador for Spain. I'm working on with them with, on development. So I have a very unique knowledge that I've tested so many toys and I'm an orgasm activist. So I want to spread the orgasmic message to the world. And I'm really having a really influential position now in the industry to make things safer, more orgasmic, and just, yeah, just improve people's experience. So I, th- I think it's um, it's definitely the best job in the world, but it's a definitely, it's a job, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not just uh, lying on my unmade bed and having orgasms. There are times when maybe I don't feel like it, or you don't always want to have orgasms, you know, but it has to be done. So, and, and it's interesting, what I love about it as well is having how the feedback, you know, when you're in a couple, they want to know if you've had an orgasm, you've had an, how was it for you, darling? But for me, I'm having these conversations with engineers <laughs> about my orgasms and uh, my experiences. And I, I find that really, that's something I love the most about our industry is that we can be in a conversation of, you, you, you know, yourself in the sex tech um, thing last Friday, that we're all professionals sharing ideas, talking about sex, orgasms, blah, blah, blah. But we are being serious because it's a serious thing. It's not like, you know what it's like. People are just too nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's, it's, this is, we're doing something bad here. I like to take the taboo aspect of it, remove it completely if possible. I agree. People think that because anyone that talks about sex openly, you know, it must be the best thing in the world, but still it's a conversation. It's something that everybody should be able to do. And do you think there's a lot of stigma in your job because of that? I have experienced stigma, but I've also experienced something really beautiful, which is that people that I don't know tell me their secrets whenever I meet people. And I find that very flattering. And it really confirms to me that there is a genuine need for this job. You know, it's so important. We, we make so many decisions in our lives based on sexuality. You know, we do every whole, all our lives are based around relationships and sexuality where whereas at the same time people don't want to, don't want to speak about it it doesn't make any sense so i try and focus on the good side of it of i love to be giving giving people advice etc so uh, that's the but i mean the all the negative stuff it's always been like a kind of it's been like a filter for me so i've filtered out people who do not serve me because i have lost friends on the way i've had critiques from family, friends, etc. And I'm just like, no, no, no. And it is, I, I'm kind of grateful. I'm like, thank God you're not in my life. <laughs> I know now that I, I can't rely on you. And interestingly, these were people who did use me as a agony aunt, you know, to, for their problems as well. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's a very hard thing when you're an empath, you're giving advice all the time, but not the other people are not on your level of empathy. So that's quite, quite frustrating. But I always try and look at the positive side of it. I totally understand. So actually, instead of telling you a secret, I'm going to ask you for secrets. If you could advise any sex toy, which one would it be? Well, I've just made a top five sex toys of 2020 video. Oh, yes. I'm actually it now, so I'm not sure this <laughs> how this, uh, com- this, this resolution is going to be, but it's actually uploading at the moment. And number one is Curvy 3 Satisfier. This is amazing. This toy is absolutely amazing. And what's um, frustrating for me sometimes is that, let's say I've finished this review and I have to put it away and I have all these other toys here. <laughs> like, sorry, but I really want to use this one, you know? So <laughs> that's, that can be something that's uh, quite 
annoying in my job. <laughs> so that's the top one? This is top one of 2020 for me, definitely. This is a clitoral stimulation toy? Yeah, it's air pulse and vibration. So you've got the best of both worlds. And also thanks to its shape, you can use it on the side for a more kind of just a vibrator. So you can use it like that on the clitoris or on the side. So, and also you've got the app as well, which really makes things a lot more fun with um, using it with your partner, with long distance and with your music. So there's lots of new ways to enjoy these toys now. It's not just a press a button and zzz, an orgasm. You know, there's so many other things you can do. That sounds like really fun. <laughs> what about the Ovina sex toy? I know you created one with Adrian Lastic. Yeah, that was in 2016. And that was kind of a very fun experience because I'd written three books by then and people asking, when's the next book out? And I'm like, it's going to be a sex toy. <laughs> so oh, it was really interesting to see the, the process of development, you know, so, so um, and I wanted to make something that looks nothing like anything else either. So I, I definitely got that. <laughs> so it's, it's a toy that um, not many people understand because it's got a very strange shape. But I still um, believe in what it was supposed to do. Maybe in the future, I'll, I'll design something with a different shape that has the same kind of type of stimulation as it. Because I think the entrance of the vagina is a very, it's the most sensitive part of the vagina. And it's not, we don't have that many toys just to stimulate the entrance. It's all like inside and up. And I don't think we need that much, you know, depth. So that was my objective. I understand, definitely. You were actually talking about the Satisfier brands. And I think it's one of those brands that has a completely different design and it really works. Yeah, I've been in this industry now for since 2013 and I've seen a massive evolution. For example, at the beginning, I tested a lot of battery operated toys and then the, the rechargeable ones were a lot more expensive. They're around a hundred euros or something. I remember having one of my favorite toys. It was um, an Ann Summers toy called the, the ultimate O and it was um, 50 pounds. And that was a good price. Whereas now Satisfier has completely made it, democratized the whole market. And that's how I see it, that they are on the same mission as me. It's to raise orgasmic awareness all over as much as possible. Whereas Lilo, we're going for the luxury, which is great. That's also good to kind of overcome any stigmas, like presenting something as something luxurious is definitely a good way to kind of open people's minds. So that came before and then Satisfyer making these products without the box, you know, the box is just a functional box. It doesn't have to be kind of like, other brands are making the boxes more important than the toys sometimes, you know, where a satisfier just going for like the volume, I suppose, and making things accessible for everyone, not just people who can spend a hundred euros or whatever. I mean, that's a lot of money. I agree. I mean, democratizing the access to good sex toys, because I think anybody can buy a sex toy, but buying a good sex toy, something that only a few people had the opportunity to. And now I agree that the Satisfier is definitely one of those brands that is a great investment and something that everyone should try, even if it's the only product that they have. I would definitely suggest that one too. Now about male sex toys. I mean, there's a huge difference in the amount of toys that are available for women versus for men. What do you think this is? Well, have you seen the film Hysteria? I recommend that to anyone who's in our industry. It's about the first vibrator. I definitely believe that everyone should watch it. And then you realize how important this is because imagine, I mean, I didn't know how to masturbate or to have orgasms whenever I wanted until I was in my late 20s. So I, I was relying on 
relationships to have orgasms because I was able to have orgasms through penetration. So sometimes I think women don't really know how their genitals work or they don't really know. I mean, boys, they, they work it out by the age of 13, whereas with us, it's way more complicated. And, and at the beginning of the film, Hysteria, it's about women who in London in the late 19th century, I think, who just couldn't, couldn't reach orgasm. Or, well, it wasn't really about orgasm. It's just about the feeling of this kind of sexual buildup, not really knowing how to manage it. So, and they used to go to a gynecologist for clitoral stimulation. And then he got, he had, his wrist was sore. So they tried to make um, an, something, uh, an object that could do the job without relying on the gynecologist's wrist. And that's how it came about. It was literally a cure for female madness. So that's how it came about. And I really believe that vibrators can help us connect with our bodies. Whereas with men, it's, it's not such an issue. I mean, most guys by the age of 15, they've had, an, they've had an orgasm, they've masturbated. Whereas with women, you can have women who are 70 and 80 who might not have, have ever had an orgasm in their life. So I believe that the vibrator is just a, a tool to kind of make it easier. And that's why it's been more important for women over the years. But I do think now the male sex toy category is, is evolving a lot and it's really improved a lot in the last few years. So, and it's... I mean, I guess the stigma at first was kind of blow up dolls, but obviously toys are becoming very sophisticated now for men. There's vibration, there's sleeves, there's lots of different things that don't even look like sex toys or don't look like a part of the anatomy. So, and also I think guys are more visual, so they have the kind of the, the doll world as well. But also I think that they, there's no, it's never going to be as many as the women as for women because with them, I mean, with um, their hands and a bit of, lubricant that's all they need a lot of the time but i think it's definitely something that's growing so i haven't watched the film that you're saying i will so i'll put it on my to-do list you'll love it but i am watching actually masters of sex i don't know if you know this series absolutely do you know i actually went to masturbate in a laboratory <laughs> before that masters of sex and, and i actually had my real masters of sex experience i met a guy who was a scientist and uh And I said to him, and I'd watched a documentary about sex the week before, and it was about couples in an MRI scanner, and they were watching brains during sexual activity. And I was like, oh my, and it was really kind of like, you know, the atmosphere of all these scientists and really beep, beep, and like you know, the formality and the informality. I just love that. So, um, and anyway, and a few months later, he, he asked me, he told me, I've got, I've found the laboratory. So I went down to the University of Barcelona with a rabbit vibrator in, in, in my hand in a taxi and uh, went to masturbate for some scientists. But I, I was kind of covered, but I had all these electrodes on me and <laughs> I had an epic orgasm after 25 minutes. And, and it was interesting to see the graphs after. It was a massive peak at that first um, spasm. So it was very, very interesting. So then when I watched the series, The Masters of Sex, I found it incredible. I absolutely loved it. It's incredible how it took, I mean, it's so recent, the sexual liberation. Yes. You know, it's, it's really crazy. And the dialogues in, in that time about homosexuality, about females, it's just like, oh my God, we've come a long way. <laughs> you know? I love that, sexual liberation. And I think that's what you said. I mean, sex toys for women were that, were a way of women being liberated, understanding their bodies and knowing how to get more pleasure. Because like you said, I mean, boys will be boys and they will very quickly understand and very at a very young age how to get pleasure and how to stimulate their own personal body parts. But women are not taught to do that. And nobody 
is facilitating these conversations like now you are and other people that are talking openly. So I understand why you say that it's definitely, it makes more sense for the industry of sex toys to be more involved for women instead of for men, just because of that necessity. I agree. So do you think that in the next 20 years or 10 years, this industry will evolve more for women, for men? Or do you think that there's actually a way for couples? Because what I've seen is that there's a huge progress in sex toys that are to be used together. I definitely think the couple sex toy thing has been the fastest growing category for the last few years, actually. Not just now. I think it's something that's happening in the last few years and um, it's just trying to sell I'm not sure how effective they genuinely are but they're trying to sell the idea that this can resolve your sex issues there are lots of sex problems that couples have for example genital incompatibility when um, the penis doesn't quite fit the vagina or vice versa this type of things are happening or the woman's not reaching orgasm there's so many issues that are happening that when, when someone buys a couple toy, they think, oh, it's, it's the solution. But they might use it once or twice and they don't really know what to do with it. And then they put it away in, in a drawer to gather the gut dust. That's why we have to educate people on all these new, new things uh, to do. So, but I really believe that now we're in a time where gender is kind of becoming a very controversial topic. And I believe that there are going to be more gender fluid toys. For example, Satisfy already have some toys that you can use 16 different ways so if you're man male female or couples I think that type of toy is going to become more popular and also not just pink and purple so I think um the kind of gender what would you call it gender liberal toys are going to be more popular definitely when you're saying about knowing yourself and about understanding how things work instead of just putting a toy in the drawer just because you don't really know how it works do you think that female masturbation and male masturbation as well is one of the answers? So should people know better their bodies in order to have a more satisfactory uh, relationship? Absolutely. But you can never, knowledge is power, as they say. But also you, you can find, even in my life, when I've, I consider myself to be very liberal and knowledgeable, I can surprise myself. And that's the fantastic thing when you surprise yourself and you realize that you don't know everything. I mean, that's just for me, is the most fascinating thing. I don't want to know everything about sexuality because I don't want to get bored. I want to be a student. Just I don't want to be the teacher all the time. So I think um, there are many ways to get to know your body. And um, something that I tried earlier this year was an audio app. And these are becoming very, very popular now. I think it was one called Furley. And it had some audio guides, which is very subjective. I didn't like the accents or the voice personally, because this is a very personal thing. But it was a guide about touching different parts of your body and not getting to the genitals and just like tracing your finger over the breasts. It just felt really nice. I just remember feeling, oh, I should do this more often. Not Rather than just getting the vibrating going, Zzz. So I think we need to kind of get into more foreplay with masturbation and just different things in general and explore massage, erogenous zones. So I really believe that this is... Um, there's a lot to learn. It's not just about, I believe that most sexual encounters, 95% or 99% of straight head, um, or encounters are kiss, caress, undress, oral sex, penetration, male orgasm, end. So if you do that all the time, all the time, every day, then you're going to get bored after six months. 
Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And you touched on a point that was very interesting, which was you found an app and that was like an external stimulus for you. So do you think that's something like that? So something that can actually give you an idea, tell you to try something new. Uh, for example, that's what we do at Pleasey Play. So we send challenges for couples within their app. Uh, so they receive something that's personalized for them and they say, try this and that. Of course, we're not going to be perfect for everybody all the time. But do you think it's interesting to still try and to still, you know, be able to have an open mind and receive a new type of idea and just see if it's if it's interesting for them? Well, I think it's a very good conversation, even though if you don't like it, you still get to know your partner. And I think this is a very important thing. I mean, a few years ago, I went to observe a professional dominatrix in action, which was a very interesting. But this particular dominatrix, she had a list of questions before she, her first session with the sub. And I think all couples should do this and have a list of fantasies. Yes, no. What do you like? Yes, no, maybe. And I think if you do that, and you compare lists, you can learn a lot from each other because maybe someone is hiding some secret fetish and then you find out, oh my God, you like that too. Unless you have the conversation, then you'll never find out. So I believe that questionnaires are a really good way and surveys, this type of thing, just in suggestions. And then if you don't like it, why not? Or what do you like instead? You know, I think it's good to open the conversation. So sex brief, and then maybe a debrief afterwards. Sounds good. Yeah, also it doesn't sound like a business thing, but I think uh, I believe that most sexual problems are overcome with just conversation and uh, trust. I mean, so many people are, are having all these things happening inside their heads and they're just, I mean, things like erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation. It's all about the guy just in his ego trying to perform. But if, if you really have sex with people you trust and you know well, all of these problems will disappear, I'm pretty sure. I think trust is the sexiest thing. For me, it's more sexy trust than mystery. I'm not a kind of Tinder hookup person at all. I, I believe the better you know your partner, the better the sex can be. I agree. I've been married for a couple of years now, so I definitely agree. And I think things keep getting better just because of how much we know each other. Something that I would love to know a little bit more, and I think this is something that everybody would be interested in, is orgasms. So you are an expert in orgasms, am I correct? Well, <laughs> I call myself an, an orgasm activist because I want to spread the message about orgasmic. I want to raise orgasmic awareness because people have been sold this idea that men are more sexual and that's not true. Maybe they are in, in practice, but in potentiality and, and in theory, women are way more sexual. You know, we can be or more orgasmic and more multi-orgasmic. We don't, we're not game over after the event. So I believe that there's a lot of potential that we're not reaching. So that's why I want to kind of inform women about the about clitoral knowledge. I mean, 8,000 nerve endings on the clitoris, and there's so many different ways to stimulate it, the G-spot, the A-spot. So I believe that my, my mission is just to tell women something that's all, always existed. There's nothing new about my message. It's ancient message. It's always been around. It's just been it's repressed by society and religion. For too long. Thank you for doing that, really. Thank you in the name of every woman and men. So can you give us maybe, I don't know, three tips, three top tips to, I know everybody's different, but three tips that you think everybody should try that can help them uh, reach an orgasm or get a better orgasm? Well, I think the first thing is to not aim for orgasm. That's very important. Aim for pleasure. That's very, very important. And, and I would suggest to actually create a kind of sanctuary or kind of self-love 
atmosphere of like candles and nice music and incense and make it seem very sensual like and, and have a bath there's so many things like that or have a massage even just to get someone if you're single you can get some hands on you so you can you know get used to some human touch because it's very important to maintain that sensuality and I would suggest to people to get a kind of a toy that's very versatile something that vibrates but something that you can use in many different ways and then just try for 15 minutes every day or regularly as homework and then if it doesn't happen end but don't be like frustrated with yourself and think, oh it didn't happen it didn't happen because the one day will come that you will just be focusing on pleasure and it will surprise you and I also believe in doing erotic homework for example really training your erotic imagination in your mind so that could be through erotic movies or books or different types of things like that I mean, I'm, I'm not a porn person, but there are so many other ways to learn about sexuality and stimulate your mind. Lots of series that have a kind of sexual undertone, like Masters of Sex. I, f- I find that very erotic, hysterious, kind of more humorous, but things like that. There are so many good films around sexuality and seduction and that type of thing that you can watch just to try and spark off some erotic imagination. So homework for everybody today would be, first of all, don't think about orgasm, think about pleasure. Second would be try and be in a relaxed environment and maybe use a toy. And third would be to use different types of stimulation, like a movie. Yeah, but not when you're in the action. That could be when you're you're not touching yourself, you know, just to try and you could be, you know, on the Kindle, on, on public transport, whatever, but just to try and kind of entertain your mind so you get to know what you like and what you don't like, and then you can delve deeper into things that you do like along the way because there's so many there's so many resources out there and someone asked me recently a guy who's a virgin he asked me a, a penis size question as like, oh my god he was having a lot of paranoia and I mentioned in my video that this porn is probably having is probably the culprit of this and then he wrote back saying yes but I don't porn is the only reference I have and I thought that was very sad because porn has never been my reference for sex ever I've never I thought it's strange I I think it's vulgar and strange and it makes something beautiful seem awful (laughs) I've consumed so much erotic material in my life that's never been pornographic there's so many other things out there so I think uh, I'm going to make a video soon called alternatives to porn to try and educate people about different ways to learn about sexuality without getting into porn that's a great idea. And, you know, porn is one of those topics that is very controversial. So it's one of those things that is a first point of contact to a lot of women and men. And then again, there are very few producers, and Erica Lust is actually a good example, that think about porn differently and in a more realistic perspective. I've just never been into porn of, of any type ever. I, I just don't understand it. And I think maybe because I have, my, have a, such a very active imagination that I don't really have my eyes open. I'm just kind of like more concentrating. I I find it more erotic to watch something like Masters of Sex with real actors who know how to act. I find the kind of looks and tension between characters is more erotic for me than just two people who don't know each other having sex without a condom. I mean, I'm a real proponent of, of safe sex and you don't see safe sex in porn. And when you do see safe sex, it's not correct. I've seen porn with with condoms and they're putting putting them on incorrectly and that's not the way we're not going to teach people about safe sex if you don't teach it properly so i just think are there other things that get my mind going more (laughs) for example one of my favorite films ever is secretary have you seen that film i really recommend it 
It's um, it's Maggie Gyllenhaal, James Spader, and it, he's called Edward Gray, like Mr. Gray. And it's a film about spanking and spelling mistakes, but there's no sex. It's all very mental and it's just so horny but I really recommend uh, <laughs> there's so many there's so much material out there so I'm going to be making a, a video about alternatives to porn because I think it's a sad situation that people just think of porn as the only um, reference to sex something we suffer with is people just think that our job is just so terrible and sexual because it's, they just think porn 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 so it doesn't help I don't think it really helps anyone and where can everybody find you I mean you have such good advice about orgasms, about pleasure, about different ways of exploring sexuality. So where can people find your Instagram, your site? My Instagram is at Venus O'Hara and my website, venusohara.org. And of course, I'm on YouTube as well, Venus O'Hara. So if you look for Venus O'Hara anywhere, then you should find me. You've got great videos on YouTube, by the way. I've seen a couple of them, even a few that you have actually uh, directed and starred as an actress. Very good. Oh, yeah, The Silent Slave. That was one of my... That's going to be 10 years ago now. That, that's 10 years ago. But that was one of my... I, I don't have any more ideas, but that, but that was um, something I felt very strongly about because I think it's a whole lie, this situation of financial domination or domination for money. It's not real domination because the person paying is dominating. So that was a kind of uh, interesting play on uh, power roles. <laughs> So I have to say, I've learned so much today. First of all, I'm going to try the three steps that you suggested as a way to enhance pleasure. I'll definitely uh, look out further to films that you suggested as well. And what I would like to say before you go is that I love the way that you talk about sexuality in a non vanilla way or maybe in a non-common way. So exploring sexuality in different ways as in listening to audio, seeing movies that are not porn. And, you know, just, just understanding what really ticks for you so that you can enjoy it. Thank you so much for that. Definitely. Thank you. And that was Intimacy Play. We hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about Pleasy and how we can take your relationship to the next level, visit pleasyplay.com. Then also make sure to search for Intimacy Play in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Pleasy, thank you for listening. <laughs>